Well, as Gabby says, we love Gabby in church because when we come here, she always says, Hey, you ready? So you're expectant this morning, eh? You're expectant. So our boss says to his employee one day, do you believe in life after death? And he says, certainly not. There's no proof of it. And the boss says, well, there is now, because after you left early yesterday to go to your uncle's funeral, he came here looking for you. (laughs) Awesome, eh? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are good. Thank you for this word that we are going to share this morning. It is your word, because it's not about me, it's about your glory. Thank you for your anointing, thank you for your grace. And we just thank you that this message is going to impact generations and have breakthrough in people's life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Fantastic. Well... Move all this out the way. Our theme this month in February is open eyes. So while you've got your eyes open and you don't go to sleep on me, I'm going to preach. And I, when I asked the Lord what he wanted me to preach on, he said, I want you to preach on the first miracle in the Bible that Jesus ever did. And I have learned a lot from that when I can get it. So the verses are going to come up. Open eyes is our theme. Sorry, I think I need to get my glasses on. There we go. John chapter 2 is the first miracle, but I am going to start off in John chapter 1, and I'm going to tell you the reason why after I have read it. Because what you see in the first chapter depends how you live the rest of the chapters. So John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it, or understood it, but has not overcome it. And I'm going to, verse 14 says, And the Word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now I'm going to read chapter 2. This is the first miracle that Jesus ever did. On the third day, a wedding took place. Wow, we like weddings, don't we? A nice time of celebration. It was at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 75 to 115 litres. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servant who had drawn the water knew. 
Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. What an amazing miracle! What an amazing miracle. So why did I read chapter 1? Because how you see and view chapter 1 depends how you live and view chapter 2 and the rest of your chapters of your life. Because in chapter 1, the Apostle John writes, and he wants to start right from the beginning. So he goes back and he says, Jesus, who is the Word, became flesh. But he came, so what he's saying is right back in the beginning, before ever there was a star, before ever there was a twinkle in the sky, before he even put mountains and laid them up high, before there was ever water and sea and beaches for us to enjoy, he says there was God. There was Jesus with God. He is the beginning of all things. He is the glory. He is amazing. He is wonderful. And what the Apostle John, as the writer here, wants to tell you is, when you get chapter 1 and you see that and see how miraculous, how amazing God is, miracles will happen in your life. And God becomes flesh and he dwells among us. And so what happens is, that in chapter 1, he tells us that Jesus is God and he comes in flesh. And in chapter 2, Jesus, we find Jesus at a party, a wedding party. And he hasn't yet started his earthly ministry. And as they're at this party, as they're at this celebration, Jesus is just hanging out with the guys his mother comes up to him and she's going to tell him something because she hears there's a problem. And there's an interesting thing about this problem because it's not really a problem. Now, you know that Jesus is supernatural. Jesus came that he could do supernatural things. And he came that he might raise people from the dead. He came to heal the sick. He came to do many mighty wonders. He did amazing things while he was here. He healed, the, he healed the blind man. He did so many powerful things. But this miracle isn't about that. It says there's no more wine. So really, when you think about it, this is an inconvenience. It's not a crisis. No one's dying. There's no one sick there. And it's like there's a miracle here that's about to happen and it's just an inconvenience. Mary comes up and says, there's no more wine. And this is the thing that I get from this today, that Jesus is interested in every inconvenience of our day. No matter the little things or the big things, Jesus is interested in what we go through in life, which is so amazing. And don't you love mamas? His mom comes up to him, and she says, there is no more wine. They've got no wine. 
And then she walks away. And while she, you know, it's like she doesn't go nagging. She doesn't say, Jesus, this, you've got to do something here. This is a crisis. This is a problem. They're going to sack the wedding planner unless you do what I tell you to do. And what, you know, she doesn't nag. She doesn't plead. She says, Jesus, there is no wine. And he says, woman, woman, dear woman, what have I got, what am I to do with this? It's not yet my time. So in other words, what he's, try, what he's saying is, this isn't on my schedule. This isn't on the run sheet. This is an unscheduled miracle. And I can tell you that this mama said they need some wine and she walks away. I love it because it's like, go mama. She's not going to take no. And it's like, I can just picture Jesus going, here she goes again. (laughs) Paul says that to me all the time. Here she goes again. What is she up to now? And I love this because she knows she gave birth to a miracle. She's lived with a miracle. And all of a sudden, the first appearance, you know, there's been 18 years. Jesus was born. We don't hear about him till he's 12. Very briefly, there are 18 years pass. And then all of a sudden at 30, the word speaks. And he says, dear woman, what am I, what has it got to do with me? Well, she's not taken no. She's not, she says what she says to him. There's no more wine, but she tells the servants, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do. And that's the title of my message today. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. So it might not be on his schedule. It might not have been in his run sheet. It might not even have been the first miracle that he'd ever planned. But when you speak the word and you walk away and trust God for the answer, Jesus moves heaven. You can move heaven with the words that you speak. And how you see chapter 1 in the book of John, how you view God, will affect every chapter of your life after that. Mary knew from chapter 1, she knew that Jesus was the answer. So Mary didn't see the problem, she saw the answer. She lived with the answer, and she wasn't taking a no. She wasn't taking, what has this got to do with me? Jesus was her answer. And you might have gone to Jesus, and you can say, my son's marriage is in a mess, and you can go and say, whatever he tells you to do, do. And it's like, I haven't got money to pay the bills, Jesus, but wherever he tells you to do, do. I haven't got clothes in my wardrobe, Paul. Whatever he tells you to do, do. I'm thinking shopping, yes. We have no bagpipes in the church band. Wherever he tells you to do, do, go. Yes. Paul will be praying hard for it not to happen, and I'll say it's a done deal. That was way back. My prayer started a long time for those bagpipes, you know. Whatever he tells you to do, do. 
Jesus is the answer. Whatever you might be worried about today, it might have been an inconvenience. He is the answer. You don't need to keep nagging the Lord for your miracle. It's asked and you walk away. You ask and you can walk away because he heard you the first time and it's a done deal. You know, when my sister and brother-in-law were married and they'd bought their first home and after about a year or two, I can't remember how long they were there, but um, it got a bit small, so they decided they were going to buy a new house. Anyway, they went out looking and they were thinking, on the economy, you always have to sell your house first and then look. But they somehow bought another house. And so what that meant was they were still paying for the other one while they'd put in for a new house and they were going to have to get, um, what do you call it, one of those bridging finance things or something like that. I don't know. I just talked to God about all of that stuff, and Paul coughs up. So yeah. Um, anyway, so this was going on, and as he came to, he just, I just went to visit them, and he said, "I am so worried about it. This is going to cost us such a lot, and if our house doesn't sell sell in six weeks, we're in deep, deep water." So I listened, and I went, "You know what? Give me one week. I'm going to talk to God." And then I walked away. And I'm like, oh, goodness, what did I do that for? No, no, God. So I said, okay, Lord. I said one week to them. So I'm just going to trust you for the answer. God did it in three days. It was an absolute impossible thing. You think, can God do? Yes, he can. And when you speak the word, heaven moves. Heaven is waiting for you to open your mouth and start speaking. And Mary said to Jesus, there is no wine. Servants, go and do what he tells you to do. In other words, he's the answer. So isn't that awesome? And you might think, why would God be interested in helping me? Well, I tell you that you are so important to God. This wasn't a miracle of feeding of the 5,000. He wasn't raising someone from the dead. It was just an inconvenience. They had no wine, but God went, done deal. Now, verse 6, it says here, Nearby stood six stone water jars. How far away were they? Nearby. Sometimes your miracle is so nearby that you can't see it. It's that saying, you can't see the wood for the trees because you're so worried looking at the problem, you don't see the answer is nearby. And it says there were six stone water jars. Six in the Bible is the number of man. And I can tell you that when... um, Six is the number of man, and that God has a work for you and I to do. God uses, just like he used the stone jar, he uses miracles like you and I to be a blessing to others. He chooses to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. And they want, God said, fill them with water to the top. Now, Mary said, wine. God says, fill them with water. 
Now, the servants could have overheard that. And sometimes you might think, well, Lord, I've asked for wine, but you talking about water, that's not what I asked for. But you know what? As the servants started to do what Jesus told them to do, the miracle started happening. Sometimes God asks you to do things that don't even make sense. It didn't make sense that at 21-year-old in Scotland, I was minding my own business, enjoying my job, loving on my family, and God said, I want you to leave your family, I want you to leave your job, leave your country, and I want you to go to a country that you've never been to. I was 21. And I went, really? And just so you know, in my day, they never had cell phones that you could Google and look what New Zealand looked like. They had bricks that you talked to on the phone and that was about all it could do and it was like the size of a foot, it was so big. That was a cell phone. There was no internet like you get now and so it doesn't sometimes make sense. Takes one to know one, darling. Oh, it's all good. So yes, sometimes it doesn't make sense. But when God tells you to do something, do it. Last year, Paul and I were in um, England in August, and we went to visit this church. And a pastor there was telling me afterwards, he was just sharing, and he said, you know, sometimes God says things to you that don't make sense. And he said he was preaching in this big audience one day, And he said that all of a sudden, God said, I want you to say the word coffee. And he's preaching, you know, because the Holy Spirit, and he went, coffee? Why would I say coffee? So he kind of ignores it a little bit. And he said, and so God speaks again to him. He says, I want you to say the word coffee. And he said, okay, I'll say it. And he says, when you say the word coffee, I want you to say as well, it's happening. So he went, I just have been, I just feel God has put in my heart to tell someone here, coffee and it's happening. And what the, what the pastor didn't know, there was someone in the congregation that had come over from overseas who had a coffee plantation. They had been praying a long time for that coffee plantation to sell because they were desperate for the money. They needed to clear something. They were in so much mess and they had been praying for the miracle of the coffee plantation to sell. That week, it sold. When God tells you to do something, it doesn't need to make sense to you, but guess who it makes sense to? Your heavenly Father. He's got your back. He's got your inconveniences. He's got everything. I have to tell you this. It's it's kind of a little bit naughty, but in a way, I do love people just so you know, because I know sometimes I share these things and you think, goodness, yeah, I love people, all right? And I love my husband. He's good. But this is the inconveniences. When we speak, things move. Heaven moves. The, uh, we, last year, I, had a, I was at the bus stop. We're ready to go to school. I was at the bus stop waiting on the bus with uh, my daughter to get on the bus and this mother come up and she's busy telling me oh this is it's just so bad you know my kids are struggling at school and rah rah and this is the problem and she told me about a person and I said yes I've heard about that it's a problem with others as well anyway she's, she's looking you know you know now this woman doesn't know Jesus I don't even know if she believes in him I don't know anything much about her knowledge of God or whatever but 
She knows that I know God. And she says, you know. And I'm looking at her, and all of a sudden, I just felt in my spirit. You are asking me to pray them out, aren't you? And she looked at me, and all of a sudden, I just, the streets just went, could you? And I went, all right. So I did. You're wondering what happened, eh? I don't pray any prayer that never comes to ha- to pass. I expect my answer. Not always then, but I still expect it. So yes, gone. It's good. It's great. But I do love people. But sometimes we do need to get rid of distractions in life, by the way. You know, when Jesus met the woman at the well, he had to have his greatest grace conversation in the, in the whole of the Bible. Guess who he needed to get out of the way while he had it? His disciples. Go and get some food. You're hungry. The way to a man's stomach is through, uh, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Sometimes you just got to go and get some food. I've got an appointment with a woman who needs grace. Because when the disciples came back, guess the first thing they said was, what are you talking to her for? But Jesus knew this woman needed a very delicate conversation because she'd got so messed up in her life. Sometimes we need to get rid of the distractions. And that is not what I was here to talk about. So whatever he says to you, do. You can do it, church. I'm not finished yet. Are you going up? I've only just got started. (laughs) Now, Mary asked for wine. She said, there's no wine. God's talking about water. I'm here to tell you that as these servants, do you know it would be so easy if we could see the miracle happening as we do it? But it didn't happen straight away because they got the water. It was 115 liters. The Bible tells you roughly how much it was. That meant they had to walk to the well or the pumpy thing that they use, walk back, tip it into the stone jar, go back, pump it up. And guess what it was? It was still water. Go back. Water. Jesus, you said wine. This is water. And you can just picture the servants thinking, is this going to happen? Is my miracle going to come through? Jesus knows what he's doing, but I'm here to tell you it's in the obedience of the doing that you get your miracle. It's in the obedience of the doing. Even when it doesn't make sense to you, God can overrule. You can move mountains. And what does it say? It says that the master of the ceremony It says that they took it to the master of the ceremony who was in charge of it all. And it says he didn't know where it had come from, but Jesus said, draw it out of the stone pots, that's of the jars, and take it to the master of the ceremony. And it says, and when the master had tasted, he said, you have saved the best till last. There's a verse in Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Unless you've tasted and seen that Jesus is good and opened your eyes to all his miraculous things that he can do, you'll never know what you're missing out on. Heaven is waiting for you to speak the word and just keep moving. Speak the word. 
when you allow God to be to move in your life and be obedient to what he asks you to do, when you hand over the problem to him, guess what happens? He, keep, he does the best ever. The master of the ceremony said he's done the best to last. You can come up now, uh, team. Sorry, I was only joking before. I don't mind if you stand up there 10, 15, 20 minutes. That's fine. It's good. God has unlimited resources in heaven waiting for you. I tell you what, I have got so many stories. Mary was brought up and uh, lived with a miracle. Do you know, I was born into a miracle as well. My father at birth was told he would never live. My grandmother was told he will die. Don't expect him to live in the morning. Put him at the end of the bed and just let him, let him die there. I'm just letting you know the doctor said he'll be dead in the morning. Well, I am here. So he never died. And I have had miracle after miracle after miracle happen, not only in my parents' life as I grew up there. I have seen miracles because I know that I know that I know that God is a miracle-working father. You know, my father was a missionary. Sometimes he'd have no food on the table and and there'd be enough for my mum He'd say, you eat, and then he'd go out and do his church service, and someone would take him up for dinner because they had not had their dinner or something. There was always miracle after miracle. Sometimes he had no rent. God would say, hey, walk to the post office, and he'd say, well, the postman's already been. Even when it doesn't make sense, do it, because when he got to the post office, there was a package for him with the exact money for the rent. Miracle after miracle after miracle, so amazing. Even as a young girl, I remember traveling, visiting my grandparents in England, and as we were coming up over the hills through wintertime, honestly, you could hardly see the snow blizzards. I mean, Scotland, I don't know if you've ever seen snow, it's like high. Up through these um, hill passes and mountain passes, coming home to Scotland, And I remember regularly my dad praying and saying, we need a miracle we can't see. It's unsafe. Lord, send us a snowplow. And guess what happened? When you saw the snowplow, you were like, thank you, Lord. Because they have grip behind them and they had flashing lights. They were big and you knew you were pretty safe. And we followed them all the way home. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Mary knew that she was living with a miracle. And she spoke it out, and the servants did it. It's so cool. I've got a picture for you to see. This is another miracle of a big sheep. This is Shrek the sheep. Now, Shrek the sheep, you could probably say he is a bit of a problem there, eh? Do you reckon he is a problem? Do you know what this sheep had done? He was hiding in a cave for six years. And he was hiding, coming out for a little bit of food, and he just kept missing the shepherd. The shepherd couldn't find him until one day the shepherd found him, and he was so fat and so overweight with this problem that had been weighing him down. The shepherd took him, and he shaved it all off. The great shepherd can shave all your problems away if you stop hiding in your cave and running from him. Look how skinny he went. Isn't that amazing? But do you know what? I said Jesus is the answer to the miracle. Do you know how many um, suits of wool they made or could make from this uh, overload, from the fleece overload? 
seemingly enough wool for 20 men's suits. When God, the shepherd of your life, takes your problem, he makes it a blessing to you and other people around you. It's so good. He's so much in heaven for you. So whether you've got a problem, give it to the Lord. Because where you fear is where you trust God the least. So if you're worried about finances, you're not trusting God for your finances. That's how it rolls. So we go back to the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And then further down it says, and the no problem that you have will be able to overcome Jesus, the good shepherd, the light of the world. How you see chapter one will depend how you live chapter two and three and four. How you see God, how you see Jesus will affect how you live the chapters of your life. Do you see him as a miracle or do you see only your problems? God is on your side. He is for you. You are an overcomer. So chill out. No stress. God is good, eh? Thank you, Lord.